Hey, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to you, depending on when you're watching this or where you are in the world, or perhaps even just listening to it on one of the podcast channels. Whether you're watching on uh, the Celebrity Hypnotist YouTube channel, on the Vimeo channel, or on listening on one of the podcast channels, it's all the same. Welcome to another edition of Hypnosis Week Live. It is me again by birth, Alex Williams-Smith, but better known to many of you as the British bad boy of hypnosis, Jonathan Royal, although the word boy is wearing a bit thin now, given that I turned 47 this year. Gonna have to think of something else, although I never dug myself that. Today is going to be an interesting one. You will see to the left or right to me, depending on how Zoom decide to record this, an avatar that some of you may already recognise if you've uh, previously read any of this gentleman's books or had any interactions with him on Facebook or um, other platforms. If you don't recognise the avatar, fear not, I'm about to introduce you to a man who is a leader and pioneer in his field, a field that some would refer to as erotic hypnosis, others would refer to it as hypnosis for kinks and fetishes, others may refer to it as um, mind controlling, mind control, um, there's different terms thrown around, but in the community, they have their own particular preferred terms. And obviously, we'll get into that over the next hour with the man who is the author of books such as uh, The Instruction of the Hypnodom, The Tao of Relationship Maintenance for Mind Controllers, uh, The Constellation Experience Seekers Edition and The Constellation Experience Facilitators Edition. These can all be found on Amazon uh, and also on the website dowofthecrown.com, that's T-A-O of the crown.com. The links will be below the video or podcast for you to go and check out. So without further ado, please welcome the author of those books and the leader and pioneer in the field of, he'll describe to us what he prefers to call it, the man himself, Mr. Joseph Crown. Welcome to the show, sir. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I've followed Alex's work for quite some time and until recently I found out that uh, basically I years ago got a Reiki certification through an online portal because I wanted to see what it was and I didn't know that Alex uh, had the product and it was a uh, like full circle for me. Wow but crazy getting back to this so sometimes i'm referred to as a bit of a guru uh i will say i'm a master mind controller um erotic hypnotist hypnodom essentially i go by many titles one of the newest and i guess uh one that many people will begin to know me by in the future is more of a um I guess the facilitator for the constellation experience, but also a, a lifestyle designer. As we're doing lifestyle design, it might include trance. It might include like uh, hypnosis with a meditation aspects, and it might include like questioning conversations and goal settings. It's a bit like being a consulting hypnotist, but you essentially utilize many different traditions or styles um 
over. Okay, we'll get on to that as we go through. Because I want to, I want to obviously cover all the topics. Because you've got books on all those different areas uh, uh, available. Now, a lot of the people watching or listening to this are likely to have the the, the thinnest, smallest level of. Um, prior knowledge or having heard about things like erotic hypnosis or such lot like so most of the listeners and viewers probably don't know terms like hypnodom hypnosub uh, what or even what bdsm stands for could you kind of give us a an idiot's guide to some of the terms and things that, that they would encounter in your world <laughs> thing because in doing any sort of a practice and doing i guess any kind of relationship in like a kinky world you sort of have to know the lingo again before i go on i apologize for any of the uh, noises in the background i'm i'm at a house on vacation um, so i have no control over that no worries um, so bdsm bondage uh, discipline, sadomasochism. Um, for the most part, well, you can just refer to someone who's interested in some of those topics as being kinky or a kinkster, uh, someone in the lifestyle. It goes or extends into polyamory at times, swinging. Um, it's not out of the ordinary, I would say 50 Shades of Grey has shown how often that people gravitate to those things, trying one person up or uh, putting on some cuffs. For the most part, not everyone, I guess, accepts or wants the title. They just think that there are things that I like to do. And these are some of the things they might use toys. Uh, they do a lot of sensory play. So within all of those big concepts for like a BDSM, there's also like the mind kink where you're doing a predictive or predicament bondage, if you would, where it's sort of like you mentally have to have a choice that makes one thing happen but if this happens then something else happens and then there's the mind control fetish basically this is a pandora's box almost where you go in and you find a bit of everything and some of it you might think okay spanking and naps were things that we used to avoid as a kid but as we got older we essentially learned to love them um I often tell people like to be a modern hypnotist or a hypnodom is to let the imagination and like a disruptive invention do a lot of the work once done by tradition and ritual. Can we just clarify something? I mean, uh, for, for the viewers and listeners, right? So people are probably familiar with the idea of uh, bondage, like perhaps tying people up with rope, for example, or chains. Mm -hmm. um, but that... That could happen with real rope and chains. Yes. But with hypnosis, it's also possible for someone to believe that they have been bound and gagged with rope and or chains, for example, without the need for any rope or chains, isn't it? Of course. You could also take away the ability to speak for a while or have them 
essentially anchored to a specific area where they can't get out. Or I guess it depends how far you want to take it. You can, some people obviously like blindfolds, whether you're sleeping or doing something kinky because the other senses really begin to expand and doing things like that Heck, you could have someone not recognize their own uh, reflection in a mirror if that's what they wanted and they wanted to be someone else for a while. There are a lot of people who decide for some time, I want to be someone else. I want to jump into some sort of a trance-like adventure and have, whether it's kinky sex, whether it's surrender to let it all go, or whether it's to try on and try out a new story. These are things that people love to do. Because I guess that can be very therapeutic because of the escapism level from all the stresses, tensions, worries and all the shit of everyday life. For sure. Um, You'll likely see many things online. It's like if you want to be happy, you surrender. You give up your control for a moment. Let me take over all the work. Just sit back, relax. And obey something like that is pretty standard where people just um the term compliance comes up where you're doing one activity after another where you're basically one person is, is ensuring that what they're doing is exactly correct and it's sort of like watching a stage play at times where you might call this high protocol where people know how to stand how to pose when to do something, when to take something back, like everything is scripted and it's almost like a dance number. And sometimes it's kinky and fun. It all feel the- free to completely disagree with me because you're the expert in, <laughs> in this area. This is just my, from my very limited experience in this area and my research and my looking at it through the lens of other stuff that I've done, in particular stage hypnosis at the adult end of the scale where I, you know, in the 90s was getting people to do really sexualized stuff on stage that they wouldn't normally do just because of the excuse of the hypnotist made me do it. Mm -hmm. Albeit that bizarrely, yes, they would because the mind state can come about that once they've let themselves go, so to speak, into that... um, environment of well I can always blame it on the hypnotist that there comes a point of no return by which point they stop caring anyway and they've already consented up front I I look in and look at the research I've done and I think that because a lot of listeners and viewers might be thinking oh it's wrong to get people to do stuff like this but I want to stress firstly this is done with consent isn't it correct like what you're describing would either fall under a risk-aware consensual kink, especially with stage hypnosis, or something like safe, sane, and consensual kink, where everyone is looking for what is safe, and they're, they're all looking out for each other. But many activities, like you just suggested, like stage hypnosis, come with some risk of embarrassment, or in some activities, it could be like mountain climbing, or you're climbing up the face of a mountain. That's a risk-aware, consensual thing where you could physically die from something you enjoy. Makes sense. Whereas on a a one-to-one or a few consenting adults together basis, 
any embarrassment. Well, some of it might be on purpose. Some people are into humiliation, aren't they? That's correct. But the fact is they've consented to that and, uh, and requested and de demanded it, sometimes even paid for it to occur. Yeah, and even so erotic hypnosis is becoming a slightly different animal than um, stage hypnosis because if you're doing it privately, uh, when you're enfolding it with some of these philosophies of like uh, safe, sane, secure, consenting and rack, all these things together, um, it goes through many of the same patterns for basically the induction. But before the induction, you know, obviously some people, especially if you're doing consulting, you might do a pre-talk or negotiation. The negotiation is still the same, but after the induction, it's deepeners or programming, depending on how you want to put it on the scene. And um, the conclusion and cleansing is something that sort of come out. Those are sort of the last phases because some people, um, especially in... I guess stage hypnosis does utilize some of this. When you leave this room, all these suggestions fall away. That essentially would be the, the closing and cleansing so that they don't, you know, safety precautions take everything with them. Um, but the one thing that would be completely different would be the aftercare because some people, depending on the scene, want grapes, want to cuddle, want they want specific things. And some people just want to be left alone to watch some telly and have a beer, but it's all up to them. And uh, these things- well, These are boundaries, I guess, that you've already- Established. and discovered in advance. Yep. Um, like if I was doing something like this, actually, I might be able to pull up one. Um, so, there is someone that I was recently talking to and some of the things that fall under some of these categories, like I would essentially uh, create goals. These are the things we're going to do. You might go through even a, a checklist. You, some people who are kinky might find that they've used a BDSM like checklist before because before you go in, that's pretty much your contract. If you're going into like any sort of a public play arena, which this makes it very similar to a stage hypnosis show because you're playing in front of other people around people. And for the most part, they're watching they They cannot interfere. And there's something what is usually called like a dungeon monitor and other people there who essentially make sure that the, the scene going on is following all the rules of the environment in which it's taking place. And that- I no find very interesting that you just use the term, the scene that's going on. I've read this in books as well, and I had it mentioned to me by people I've spoken to in the past. And in fact, I've had emails of people in the past asking me, you know, I'm going to be in Manchester, for example, at such and such a hotel on such a date can I book you? And I sent them a call thinking it was for a show. And then they contacted back going, no, actually what we'd like to do is I'd like you to hypnotize me to help me. Um, the phrase, what was it to uh, not reenact? 
the word act came into the act out these scenes mm-hmm. and they were like bullet point you know it was almost like i was being sent um i'd say like a, a stage play script yeah if for someone who's ever done like a sports hypnosis before where someone's like doing golfing where they come in and you talk to them, they're essentially telling you what they're doing wrong and what they're doing right, and you're mm-hmm. just filling in the pieces. It's almost exactly the same. Where you're coming in and people know what they like, you might introduce different elements while you're talking to them, and they're like, I want that, because sometimes people don't have the words for it, or sometimes people just want what they want exactly. And after a while, you have to decide if that's what you want to grow and enjoy doing or not yeah um that's when i got that email i thought well they told me what they want and i mean i did i didn't end up going ahead i passed them on to somebody else because um i have absolutely no personal qualms with anyone for any type of sexuality gender or anything at all like that but personally I don't want to be going um, hypnotizing somebody uh, to um, be doing things of uh, a, a sexual nature in my presence under my command, who is of um, the same sex. Well, that's just me personally. It's fine for those that want to do that. But they sent me this script of what they wanted. I looked and I thought, well, they're going to know. They know consciously what they want. Mm-hmm. So they know consciously that is what would likely happen once they were hypnotized, which they would have consented to. So I thought, well, all right, once they're hypnotized, there's that sense of disassociation and um, kind of detachment. Which just like when I say, you know, a lot of my stuff, I say therapy wise, I believe it's largely just a case of people need permission to change and excuse to change and an environment to let go of all that self-blame, shame, guilt and regret they're carrying around. In the same way, mm-hmm. I kind of come to the conclusion that this kink hypnosis stuff, certainly whether in the past I've encountered people wanting to pay me money to get them to do what they've what they've suggested in advance in a fully conscious state that it's kind of, they just want the hypnotist, the domineering mind controller figure to tell them what to do so it removes from them the responsibility for doing it or wanting to do it and kind of pushes that self-blame, shame, guilt and regret to the side, unless, of course, their particular kink is that they want to feel the self-blame, shame, guilt and regret, then obviously that would be... um, perhaps amplified by the idea of somebody being involved. What, what are your thoughts on that? Have I got the totally wrong end of the stick here? No, yeah, I think you have it absolutely right that some people love reenacting those things. They want to be immersed in a story, whether it's kinky, vanilla, whatever, whether you're undressing someone with your eyes. Um, it would be interesting to find out, like, you could have someone come in and you could do a scene and have that scene recorded. And that whole interaction that you just said could be happening with their eyes closed or open and them fully closed. And that so that when they go out to a coffee shop, they have their first cup of coffee, flashes come before their eyes, things like that. You can enhance it so that when they're not with you, they're doing all those things. If you don't want to see it personally, I 
turn down more men than women because there are more men who are into like the forced feminization um mind control where they're being drones yes this um is it the term sissy hypnosis or something that's one of them yeah this is just... largely from what i can tell either gay or bisexual or bicurious males wanting to be hypnotized to using their term no offense to women, be sissies and then um obviously toys or sexual interaction with another taking place or they want to be a cock where they're coming in and someone's enjoying their women they're watching they're cleaning up after they're they're part of that story like that shame humiliation that sort of coming in and being owned all of these things these are things that people look forward to these are again not something that we're forcing on them these are things that people want because mm -hmm. they want them and they get pleasure from them and they're sharing power this is power exchange in a lot of ways and it's not for everyone and sometimes just like if you i guess to get too many stop smoking clients you can be really tired of doing stop smoking um after a while you move on. When I first started years ago, one of the things that I was doing was helping people with like pain control and uh, stress and anxiety. So I used to do many different modalities to do that, hence the Reiki. And finding all of those things really utilize the same sort of processes, the same kind of energy, verbal exchanges, like it's all coming down to the transition of state and your idea of hypnosis is very similar to mine. I just use slightly different words. Um, uh, which obviously, yeah, it's the community relevant. It's like all different communities, all different career industries have their own terminology and terms for things that make them sound like they're completely different, but that's a, they can kind of identify that they're part of that same community, yeah? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, no one exactly knows what happens. Or, I mean, we can't tell another person what exactly is the process for how you fall asleep, because if that was the case, everyone would be getting a good night's sleep. It's, mm. I mean, our conscious mind is maintained and created by subconscious processes. All of those things are going on just to make us aware of the world. And when you look at meditation, that's basically attention, attention, concentration, and uh, widening or like mindful practices where you're essentially trying to make your awareness as wide as possible around you and bringing it in. You're learning to control your conscious attention so that your subconscious processes will begin to pick up those cues and by repetition over and over and over again build upon them so we're doing a much the same thing with hypnosis where the subconscious gets stimulated and activated and we're asking the conscious mind to essentially go down in activity and just follow through with play and use your instincts that's really essentially how i describe it because we can't say anymore there's lots of fancy theories but mm. you can't really prove it 
What um, what do you find? Because obviously you're 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 in America. I'm in England, and in England, my experience of I think in all the past thirty odd years, I've only ever had two, three, possibly four. Uh, out of the blue, because I don't advertise that I do erotic hypnosis stuff. I just advertise that I did erotic hypnosis stage roles. So by virtue, some people decided to contact me thinking they could book me one-to-one. But I've only ever had three or four inquiries that came from females. But absolutely, without fail, each year I get several from males. And, and, and when I've had a, you know done research on the internet, it does seem to be that certainly as far as erotic hypnosis is concerned, the, although there is, in recent years, a heck of a lot more hypno-dominatric um, female practitioners and online offering the services, it, it does seem that most of the websites like HypnoTube is one, it, oh, that largely, with ex- exception of some stuff that was, I think, called bimbo hypnosis, Mm-hmm. Women wanted to be turned into brainless bimbos. Um, seem to be largely male dominated. Is that the same in America? Um, I would say it shifts. So depending on the population, you know, I think one of my books I go into some of this, like whatever you're into, these are your odds of getting it in a right. particular area. But I would say of course, the same more males will try to contact you. Even when I first started out, I started out um, when I was just doing vanilla hypnosis. I had two males approach and ask if I'd be willing to do erotic hypnosis. And essentially it was um, training women and with uh, a dog training manual to flip, do tricks, do go through hoops all those things. So um, for what you're saying, I would say there's about 40% of women who will directly contact me. Um, Most of it is they're trying to explore like orgasmic enhancement. Sometimes they're trying to relax so they can be present. Other times they're trying to learn to surrender with someone they trust. Sometimes they want to cuddle and like like having some sort of goal-oriented encouragement while they're cuddling like everyone's different like I'm trying to describe this in a way that protects the guilty because I think that's important but um, for the most part if you have like questions just ask but I would say women are very much involved and I've seen many interested in the bimbofication some people it turns off some people they that's just one of the things they enjoy and that's not their main identity but many of the people especially men that will come to me and try to hire me for this particular thing want that and they also like what i refer to as the tableau tableau rasa the blank slate many people um and I'd say this is about 50-50 with men and women um, will at one time ask to be blanked. They want to have a new story, complete overhaul, so they're not the same person. Have you gotten that? 
No, that's not something I've. Uh, well, I say it's not. It's not something I've come across from uh, being asked it in a. Um, erotic or kink or fetish manner i mean i have had people contact and maybe their underlying motive was something more than they were making up i've had people contact going can i come to you and can you kind of totally erase certain memories from my mind so that it can never bother me the way it did because i can't remember it type thing yeah um i think it's part of I, what I would call uh, a destruction and ruination fetish where they they may not have the words for that but f that is what I would call it where they just want to be I guess broken down and built back up and that's something some careers will do that's something like the military does that's mm -hmm. it's just something that sometimes people just want to live and have like this code internalized where they belong where they know their place where they're everything is familiar i would say one of the greatest needs of a human being is to make things familiar so that they know what they're dealing with and can just relax um and it plays a big role in whatever we're doing especially with kink because you want to trust feel safe unless you want it all to be a surprise but even in those surprises People are looking for what's familiar, what they can grab onto, and trying to figure the rest out. Now, I re my limited experience included training a guy who I'll, I won't name purely because I don't think he'd mind, actually, but I'll just, to be on the safe side, um, all I'll say is that in the Sheffield area, there were a few, but one particularly... Um, long-standing um, swingers club, which has a dungeon area here mm -hmm. in uh, Yorkshire in England. And the dungeon master of that swingers club took my one-to-one -one hypnosis training course. Um, oh, it's over a decade ago now. And kind of basically explained to me much the same as you've kindly been uh, telling the viewers and listeners that he was going to be going back and helping people live out their scenes and stuff in their mind and it be enhanced um, and whatnot. And that was very much mixed couples as well as bisexual couples. It was just basically a swingers club where he happened to be the dungeon master, but learned hypnosis so we could add that in. Now, I know you cover all, this is leading me into this question. I've got memory reminders here in front of me. <laughs> I'm going to give you a title of one of your books. And then if you can tell the viewers and listeners kind of what they would learn from that particular book, a bit of an overview of what they'd learn if they jump on your website, dowofthecrown.com, or go on Amazon and type in Joseph Crown and your books come up. Because then they can get the book that interests them most. Because I would recommend whether you have any intention to doing this yourself that there are still elements of it, of understanding of human nature and motivation that can transfer back from the king fetish community, erotic hypnosis community, into helping you as a hypnotherapist mm -hmm. understand people's motivations and desires better and thus be a better therapist for them. Before you do, yeah? I'd just like to say, you mentioned BDSM clubs. And yes. BDSM clubs are sort of, been 
one of the secret society-like things that are global. You could go across the world and find dungeons that you might not even think about because you could go into almost any city and there is one. You can't find something for like polyamory groups in every city, but you will find a BDSM club because that is one of the things people have come together with many different rituals for years. So it's something to think about it. And please go ahead. Yeah, BDSM again, just to remind viewers and listeners, bondage, domination, sadomasochism. Short, short form for that. So yeah, let's start with, I mean, I've got four books. Let's go through them in order. So let's start with Instruction of the Hypnodon. Ah, so this was me essentially taking many of the transcripts and notes that I've made over the years with people and putting it together. So going through and trying to share people about how to present yourself as an erotic hypnotist being positive, some of the best concepts that you'll come into I guess, contact with, whether they're BDSM contexts or hypnosis context. Um, they also go through pretty much scripts that I've used for other people and changed slightly to take out some of the details. Mm -hmm. um, so you could read them aloud and get a sense of them. There are wonderful command prompts in there that you could steal, utilize, and make your own. Uh, if you went through that book, you'd learn concepts like state proofing. Uh, state proofing is something that operators would use, whether you're, I guess, a operative, like you're training people to go out into real life to be an old-timey myth that people talked about was this with the uh, travelers, people would deliver packages, not know what they were delivering or if they were delivering something, come back and never have that experience or never remember it. Oh yeah, it was, it was tested out MK Ultra. CIA did that as part of the MK Ultra studies. Um, how to do that is in there. Um, I go very brief because if someone's good, they'll read what's there and just be able to use that as an instruction manual. Some so you're people, actually going into compartmentalization of the mind. Yes, because going Ooh. in, <laughs> going in, you you're basically learning to like break things down and build them back up. You want to go in and essentially, when you're doing like a state proofing, as you know, you want to you want to set up practice in a way so that whatever they're going to encounter, like if you want them to stay in trance, no matter what, here's the perfect example, you would start to play music around them. You would push them a little bit back and forth, just give them a little rock. You might have a drip of water on their head and over and over you're practicing with them so that whatever happens, they have like this steel resolve because like we're talking about habits and motivation, like we're setting up processes that allow them the unconscious attention that it will be almost unbreakable. So they can utilize that for many areas in their life. And habits are the things that allow us to do things whether we want to do them or not. And that can be a good thing or a bad thing. So essentially, these are tools like these tools allow us to experience the world, to explore, 
to go out and have adventures and how we use them is up to us. There are a few commands in there that I give that I say these things are an example of something you should probably not use and they, they would be very effective. But if anyone is using them, that's something to watch out for. And I'm not sure if you have the book, but those were like, you know, avoid your friends, things that basically would point to like a cult-like experience for them. Yeah. Can I ask you, I mean, this is because you really, I, this just jumped into my head when you mentioned that, because I'm interested to learn that, you know, you, people viewers, listeners, compartmentalization of the mind is something that you might not have encountered as a concept in hypnosis training, unless you did therapy that perhaps covered grounds such as dealing with people who maybe had dissociative identity disorder, multiple personalities, or were victims of um, sexual abuse. Um, and I'm sure you're aware that they used to study those people intentionally for their ability to go into hypnotic states because they wanted to utilize them in government programs to yeah dis disassociation and that was then yeah. part of MK Ultra yeah and that's what I want to ask you about what do you think about um, Fritz Bringmeier's book How to Create a Completely Mind Control Slave <laughs> There's been a ton of books out there that are like that. I have not read this one. Like there, I've read some that are so, supposedly put out there by like the Illuminati and. Well, Fritz allegedly was somehow involved on the peripheries with um, MK Ultra related experiments, apparently. And this is the description of how to um, fragment. The, the mind into many different personalities and alters. Yeah, so many of the new book, actually there's been a couple books that have come out recently by behavioral experts that at one point I, I've gotten copies and gotten to look at and comment on. And they used to have, they've since these chapters have been removed, but they've talked about how you could recreate some of these traumas and trance to established disassociation with people and that sort of therapy or idea is still out there but there are so many different ways to do it now that um it doesn't look the same i mean as you've talked about i mean erickson used to make people sit there forever until they got so bored with stimulation that they were seeking like their awareness was opened up completely and whatever you gave them that's what they were going to absorb for a command they were going to internalize that they were going to fixate on those sort of things and they were going to basically make it real because there was there was nothing else in these extremely quiet rooms that they left them in for six hours or more which is pretty odd I mean, imagine going to the doctor and coming out like eight hours later after therapy because. Yeah. I mean, that's sensory deprivation. That's boring to, if you touched on earlier, you know, the army using techniques to break people down. One of them is sensory deprivation. Yeah. And like when you're utilizing that with trance, you basically, uh, 
you basically build them back up and you can have them focus on the smallest of details. Like there was one, there's, I don't want to give too much away because, well, I guess it doesn't matter. Like you can imagine putting someone into a form of a frog, like for transformation and they start out, nothing is clear, they can't speak, they can barely hear what's going on. Essentially, they don't realize who or what they are and they slowly learn their tad. But you basically take them through a life journey and then you begin to define traits. You take them through what you want for attitudes, all that, like positivity, always looking for the way through. Like you just basically give them what they need to get through to the next scene and you're building up this hypnotic adventure that all they have for senses now is the trance all they can see is the world that you've made and the story that's come to life so as you're building people up that's exactly how you would rewrite someone in a lot of ways you don't need to break someone to make them i guess associate more into another self People get really hung up, in my opinion, on that. Like, your bike riding self doesn't go away when you get into your car because you can still be longing to be on your bike or your hiking self doesn't go away when you're done hiking. Like, all of those things, you build up skills. You might decide that's a personality trait that you really like and you emphasize all these things. And it really doesn't take much to begin to, I guess, create these personalized adventures for people. And that's really what I believe people are craving. Like you're saying, they, they want specific things. They want to feel them. And sometimes they feel them best when they come in a specific package. That's all. So to recap, instruction, um, instruction <laughs> of the hypnodom is kind of, the viewers and listeners who have no previous knowledge or background, that'd be a great starting point to understand what it's about and how to be the hypno, the, the dominating mind controller persona in what we've spoken about, yeah? Correct. And it gives like some different sites like FetLife or where I'm on, where community members meet. There's like alt.com. There's places that you wouldn't even consider uh, trance hotspots and people just go there and they've made them the subculture. And uh, there's transcripts of myself and other people practicing that are so you could learn it yourself and try it out. Cool. So moving along to your next book, uh, The Tao of Relationship Maintenance for Mind Controllers. Yeah, so this was, I guess, the book that I started out with where I was like, I wonder if this is something I should try to share with more people instead of the closed community that I was working in, trying to be a larger fish in a larger pond type thing and this basically opens the dot to many ideas that will get you involved in trance it gives you many different ways that you could go through a trance and sets up trance environments so that you could utilize those things so if your conditioning 
someone over and over and over with specific landscapes or identities or adventures or whatever, you could begin to create stories embedded in these trance landscapes. So sort of like the hills tell you who you are and you tell the hills who they are. It's like a constant feedback where the story becomes real and you are defining things and building realities in some cases where people get to explore. Um, and there's plenty of ideas that you could use to make games while doing it and just fun little things to play with. That was probably my most basic book. And that one definitely has a lot of nudity. So just to put that out there. <laughs> Be aware before purchase. <laughs> And then you've got two, well, it's, it's two different books, but one's the Constellation Experience Seekers Edition and one's the Constellation Experience Facilitators Edition. So obviously Seekers, hypnotherapists might uh, relate to it more as uh, Seekers being the patient or client and the facilitator being the therapist. Um, but can you give us some insight into the constellation experience and what people can learn about in those books. Basically, this is a way for people to come together to begin to figure out not only what they want, but the words for what they want, for the ideas to express who you are, to come together and learn about the community that you're part of, to create a uniform way that welcomes people back and that would change with people. So whether it's being shared at a conference, a kink club, or at coffee, uh, oftentimes I share this at uh, bars, restaurants, breweries. Like I go out and do um, some of these exercises with people. And a lot of them, they're questions. And you respond where you're not judging anybody. You're going through things and how you go through things, how you think about things is not only shared, but you get to learn like this person's reading this exact same thing and they're taking it a completely different way. So you begin to become more aware of how you're thinking and uh, notice what matters with there, what actually matters to you personally. And it starts the lifestyle design process because Many people, when they come out as kinky, they often have to figure out life. They can't go by the same traditional vanilla like norms that many people have as guideposts. And this allows them to create those guideposts with community members to go through and find people that have been through similar journeys and allows them to, you know, pick up what worked, what didn't. Um, it also allows them near the end is a way to generate or try on and try out purpose to figure out what you love, what you want for the future, how you want to live, how you want to feel and go through that and write out a purpose that would allow you to live that way, to be who you really are. And that's all part of this. Would you like to try one of the questions? Like it's like six sub questions, but it's pretty easy because that explains both books. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Let's, all right. Um, 
Yeah. So uh, I'll just take you through this segment. There's a couple little questions, but essentially um, just listen and I'll tell you when to respond. A okay. billionaire just stumbled across you earlier today. They sent a footman over to you to offer you an opportunity. A desert island needs to have an immediate resident because it was just purchased. There's no one on the island at this moment. The only animals present are small monkeys. A large mountain sits at the center of the island and there's a 15 mile circular edge beach surrounding the tropical island with plants and there's a neighboring mountain and uh, island out in the distance. The footman offers you a contract of $9.5 million if you agree to the contract. It has to be uh, signed soon. There's, uh, you would have to be a resident of the island for five to 10 years. The footman points to three lines on the contract for you to ask any three stipulations during this allocated time. If you sign the contract, you leave in two weeks and your name of the lawyer that is listed will be given to you to take care of your affairs and secure your payment upon completion of this contract. Do you take the offer? Why or why not? So you can have three stipulations. But the first question you need to think about and answer is, do you take the offer? Why or why not? Well, the first thing I was drawn to was coming up with what the three stipulations would be that would then make it such that I would be of a mind to say, yeah, I could stick it out for five to 10 years to get this 9.5 million, which arguably is roughly a million a year, to make it worth being stuck on an island in the middle of nowhere where there's nobody else. Um, but then as I quickly jotted down, internet access so communication that would cover in all forms these days if i had internet access could see people hear people speak to people still run a business perhaps still do things virtual tv shows blah 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 um so that was actually going to be the next question. It would be, what are your three stipulations and why those things? Well, my brain went to the stipulations because I was thinking that will help me decide whether or not I would do it or not. Because then second, I would have said that there must be some kind of delivery service available to the island to bring mm -hmm. stuff that had been ordered and to bring food and such like. Mm -hmm. Um, and that thirdly, at some point, I'd have to be able to have visitors so I didn't go off my complete chum. <laughs> now, if those three things were in place, would I then say I would do it? Um, got instinct right now because it's is, Probably if I had the internet access communication, um, able to have things delivered to the island, um, and visitors and whatnot, 
But there again, nowhere in those three have I insured and with what information I was given before, I haven't made the place confirmed that that makes the place safe. So you only mentioned an island. You didn't say that it was actually somewhere safe on that island to live. Mm -hmm. So risk-reward ratio, without knowing for a fact that it would be safe to live on that island, because obviously it raises massive red flags as to why someone would pay you such a high amount of money, which tends to only come along with a catch of some sort, which is often of danger, then as a parent with a um, family, I think my answer would have to be no. If I was a single person going back in time, then I would probably say yes. But at the moment, I think I'd have to say no, all things considered. Okay. Since we looked at the first two questions, I'll give you like the explanation of some of this as well. Yeah, please. And in attempting to frame this question, it goes off the perfect idea of setting the agenda for our future, not only our life, but what is possible and how we're thinking about it. So looking at this, it brings up the idea of how we organize some of our thinking, what our priorities are at the moment, and your three stipulations were, I would say, near the top that most people begin to look over. Um, there are some people who are ready to come to the island simply because they're going to be offered money. There are some people, well, let's go over the stipulations I would choose, and then we'll talk about some of that. Yeah. Some of that, and uh, here are some of the best things. In the facilitator's guide, there are copies of like some of the examples that I've gotten, but essentially ensuring that there's safe conditions, well-stocked buildings, and an ability to get medical care would be one. A visiting and vacation policy, so I could have people onto the island mm -hmm. and leave the island at a specific point in time, and communication, internet, and all the things that I would need to live, thrive, and go on. So those are the best answers I could think of. And that's basically what I said, yeah. Yeah. And for the most part, those those how we answer these questions are how we're thinking about making do. Are we here basically trying to survive? Are we here trying to maintain? Are we here trying to thrive? And as we go through thinking about these things, it's the perfect example of like a lifestyle design but it's also where we are at the moment some of the people that i've talked to they're ready to come in tents they're happy to just rough it and the start uh seeing them look at other people and hearing their answers about how they're asking for buildings or jet skis or to learn to train the monkeys with a monkey trainer like everyone's got their own adventure and they're taking it in different ways and bringing out different elements of this but some people but i think with the three things that we effectively match on that um you know if you've got internet access you don't need yeah. the monkey trainer as one of your stipulations because you should be able <laughs> to learn off videos of a monkey trainer online yep and 
to go on, like I start to ask in this, like this is the very next question, what are your first actions you take on the island? Why those actions? And that begins to broaden someone's like path, how they're thinking about what's important to them and how they're gonna plan for the future. And I basically, the next question is think about what you've just described and above as as the themes that define your life during this period, how does this compare to the themes you choose to make time for today? Because that opens the door to what people say they value, what's a critical value, and if they're not spending time on the things they value and they're saying they value them, then those are probably not really their values anymore and they need mm -hmm. to adjust. Like. These are conversations you begin to get into and you get, you really get lost in these things for a while because you don't often think of your life critically and then compare it to an example of what's possible. Um, I basically, during this time, utilize guided, um, uh, guided meditation almost examples where you're reading something to someone having them imagine something and then you have them answer you come back so a lot of those elements of what relaxes them what gets them to think about what's real possible and what they could recreate about their lives themselves this is what this work is all about it's about essentially dreaming making a better world making a better you and really creating an experience that you can share that with other people, whether they're kinky or not really doesn't matter specifically, but this is made for people who well, are. From what you've explained so far, it strikes me that this is an approach that it's not that massively removed from some stuff that viewers or listeners may have encountered if they've actually studied not the basic life coaching courses, but the, the more managerial life coaching courses that go into real depth about the triggers, the cause, the values, and where the conflicts are or where things can work together to help push you towards what you want. It seems there's quite a synergy and overlap. Yeah, for the most part, like when you're thinking and talking about building a hypnotic reality or building a reality in general, we're imagining it, we're making it real with our thoughts. And these ideas are to bring us into a story where we're controlling some of the elements and bringing some of those parts of ourselves where we're beginning to question is, uh, is that the best part of myself or the past to bring forward? Do I wanna continue on with this? Do I want something different? Like today, I could be someone else. I could, you know, you could try on being a monkey. Like, it's just, you could be silly and be happy or you can really, what it comes down to is you, you see people begin to experiment and look at how other people are answering. It's not even, it's not even important as much to put as much weight into how you've answered today as much as the experience of sharing it in that group because when that synergy of people comes together and they're beginning to question with people like I like this person they are like me and then how they're acting how they're thinking it rubs off so 
there's no need for therapy when you're getting around good people and you're not judging one another. You're just sharing. Sharing enough is sharing reality. And as you go on in life and as you become successful, the people you hang out with, the people you talk with, they really define a lot of the things you think about, the opportunities you see. And those are the things you end up talking about. So this, in effect, is to help people be more purposeful, be more adventurous, and have a good time coming together. So there, there don't have to be a, an authority or a kink club officer or something like that to really define what they enjoy and what they want more of in their life. And sometimes it's something we all need to hear. It also provides a wonderful opportunity for people to come together who are doing some of these polyamory groups, who are doing some of the kinky groups that, and I'm just using kinky or lifestyle in a specific way because it allows people to have an identity, something that they can latch onto and really try on and try out different ways of being. Sometimes we don't know what we want until we hear other people talk about it. And that's why I made this book. Excellent. Um... Cool. I mean, that sounds like something that all therapists could benefit from having a study of, whether you've got any interest in the kink side of stuff or not. Um, so, yeah, below this video or the audio symbol on the uh, podcast channels, you will see links to the Dow of the Crown. That's T-A-O, as in Dow, of the crown.com, uh, along with links to Joseph's uh, Crown's Facebook page and any other links he sends me afterwards before I push this out there will be underneath the video or underneath the audio. So please do go and visit them. Go on Amazon, type in Joseph's name, Joseph Crown, and those books that we've mentioned will come up and you can get them ordered. And of course, on Joseph's website, you can contact him to ask him, uh, especially if you're in America. Um, I, I know I see from time to time you post that... Um, Good God, I'm a mental block now. Noble, <laughs> isn't it? New Orleans bondage and leather enthusiasts. Do you, there are actual groups go on that you you attend out there in America at times, aren't there? If people are in actually in the area and of that interest. Yeah, at the moment I am a kink club officer of that group, <laughs> and it's just one of the many in New Orleans and the surrounding areas. So. Uh, I look forward to any questions and I'm happy to chat with people. Cool. So there you go. Contact Joseph if you've got any questions, you want to dip your toe in the water. Uh, although the best start to that is probably jumping on Amazon and getting um, a copy of those books and uh, educating yourself a little bit further. It's been an absolute pleasure, Joseph. Thank you so much for your time. Take care. I really enjoyed talking with you and I really enjoy your material. You are one of the best hypnotists out there. And I will say that to anyone who asks me. You. Much appreciated. Thank you again for your time. And uh, yeah, hope to connect again soon. Take care. Take care.